A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The Square Ball Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello. Michael Normanson's here as well. Hello. So is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. We'll be talking Wolves in just a sec. We'll be talking about Wolves in just a second, which we did last night on the Match Ball. And TSB Plus subscribers get early access to the Match Ball straight after the game. The same for every episode of the Match Ball. You can get all our podcasts ad-free in one feed, including the Extra Ball our Championship Manager podcast and the new Extra Ball spin-off in which we've broken off our regular mailbag feature into a show of its own so you get a bit more bang for your buck. And it's not all about podcasts. You get full digital access to every magazine that we've ever done. You can read all our articles, chart in our journey from Batesonomics all the way through to the Premier League. You also get discounts on future merch and magazine specials too. Loads to get your teeth into. Head to thesquareball.net forward slash plus. Well, here we are again. Talking probably about 12, 13 hours since we last parted ways after the Wolves' defeat. Any more to add to what we had on the match ball then? Some highlights, lowlights, in-between lights? It does basically feel like I've watched the game, gone asleep, and now I've woken up and I have to talk about it again. Um, things we didn't talk about, Stuart Dallas, We said I said he was good, but I completely neglected to talk about him playing directly against Traore, who I think when we saw him coming on, we were all a bit like, oh, shit, we're scared of physical presences and and then Dallas just brushed him aside a few times it was glorious and just to make you aware in tribute to Traore and it being fresh in the mind and all that I have made sure I have made sure I've been baby oiled up now by a, by a team of people before we started work today have you swapped your size for your arms as well yes yes I have I'm not sure which player it was actually I noticed when the Wolves players were coming out on the pitch yesterday one of them did a weird thing where he got his water bottle and put a little dab of water on each thigh which I can't think gives any sort of benefit, but it's obviously some weird little superstition thing that one of them's got going on. When did you last have damp thighs? <laughs> um, when did they... Oh, no, never mind. <laughs> um, no, I'm intrigued where that was going. I was going to say, when did, the, when did the steam room in Armley burn down? Is that some sort of confession or...? Oh, I don't know. Just, just... <laughs> <laughs> let's just move on. I think we should. For everybody's sake, yes, let's. The damp-thighed arsonist of Armley. The only upside to the end of that conversation is that you went for uh, a damp-thighed and not moist-thighed. Um, Stuart Dallas described it as a game of fine margins. Do you think that's a fair reflection? I'm, I'm a bit more annoyed today that we didn't get something from it. Last night, I wasn't too fussed. I was kind of in that mode of thinking, ah, well, early days, we still played all right. Let's not worry. But this morning, I thought, ah, it'd be nice to have a point, though, wouldn't it? Because I think, I think a draw would have been a fair result. I watched most of it back again this morning. So for my last few hours, it's been watch the game, uh, watch a load of Wolves fans talking about it, go to sleep, wake up, watch the game, write about it, talk about it. I'm sick of Wolves. But what I noticed about that second half and the kind of accepted idea that Wolves were much better in the second half and much better than us and probably deserved to take the game on the, the strength of that, when they scored... They'd actually, it looked like their kind of post-halftime buzz when Nuno Santos's halftime team talk must have been. Nuno Santos? Yeah, our uh, old third-choice goalkeeper from 1998. It was him, just checking. He turned up, he came in, he took over because the first half was that bad that Nuno Santo uh, couldn't be allowed to, to, to carry on. So he came in and he told them, attack leads, 
which is basically what they did. It was like they suddenly remembered that they could they could go forward. And Santos said after the game that he went for those diagonal balls over the top to kind of get past Click and Phillips in midfield, and that's what upended Stroik in the end. But all that had kind of come to nothing. And for the few minutes before they actually scored, we were back in their half, and it was looking a lot more like the first half again, only for a bit. But there was, because of the way Wolves had kind of not really done much in the, the first half you could look without knowing how the game finishes or maybe it helps to know how the game finishes you could look at that period between their their first good spell after half time and then this little bit before they scored where you could see Leeds were just going to take charge of the match again for the next well for the rest of it and if it hadn't just bounced in off of Calvin's head it could have been very different because after they did score again they didn't do anything. We just took all our attackers on and, and tried to equalise and Stuart Dallas sorted out all their counter-attacks. So it's it's a bit annoying that we did kind of surf out their resurgence and then strike slips, Calvin's big head on it, 1-0. Do you think it should have been a penalty in that first half with that touch on Costa? It was a bit of a weak one, a bit of a light touch, but what do you reckon? I don't want to see those ever given as penalties, but they seem to always be now. In which case, I want it. It's a bit like the uh, the red card at the end that we were talking about with Jimenez. That you kind of you don't want to see players sent off for just little kickouts and stuff like that. But yes, in this case, we do. And same with this penalty. I think there was almost uh, there was a challenge just before that Costa. It had that element of you know you could go down and try and win a penalty, and he didn't. And then the second one came in, and so I think he thought, well, fuck it, if it's going to keep trying to keep me, I will I will have a penalty then. Penalty, please. Referee, I'll have the second one, thank you. And the referee, I don't know if it was... Because it was definitely contact, wasn't there? I mean, it, I think Costa does initiate the contact. It's one of those where the defend, the attacker runs into the defender on purpose, but they are seemingly always given now, which is bullshit. But and they always seen this intelligent attacking play while well, he's bought one there, hasn't he? He's, he's, he's done very well to, to get that out of the defender. Depends if it's one of our brave English lads or a dirty, cheating foreigner. I think it depends on whether it's clever or, or filthy. Let's take a slightly deeper dive then on one or two of the performances that we, we witnessed last night. How do you think Stroik was? Because you mentioned him there in that little that little slip that he had against him. And it didn't really cost us, did it? Because they managed to send him across goal. But well, what did you think of his performance overall? I think he's good. I'm, I'm pleased with him. We've no right to expect him to be any better than he is so far. He's not perfect by any stretch, but he's very, very comfortable on the ball, which I think is in the way we play is, is, is as important as the actual defending stuff. Yeah, I think he's a good player. I'm very happy with Pascal Stroik. It'll be interesting to see how he ends up because we do have Cooper, Llorente, Cock. So whether he's going to be... I was thinking as I was watching it that you could imagine him kind of getting a like a £10 million move to like West Ham or something like that and doing averagely well for them. Alternatively, he could turn out to be, you know, he's the best defender for him uh, since Baresi and he's ours. But I'm never worried about him coming in the team. Cooper, apparently he was very distressed in the warm-up about not being able to, to play and was um, took some kind of persuading to, to give it up. But, <laughs> sorry Cooper, but I wasn't asked. <laughs> um, I was perfectly happy after seeing the Liverpool game that Stroik would be able to come in and do well and I kind of have that feeling I'd like to see him play more often also I mean he's a handsome chap as well all that hair do we know about his injury is yet? no Bielsa said there was he didn't have any information about it Bielsa was quite um, interesting after the game last night lots of very short answers didn't really feel there was much talking about uh, much worth talking about and then there's a great bit on, I think it must be the international feed that LUTV have put up from his, his post-match press where he's standing on the pitch with his, his translator. And he's asked this very long, rambling question about the, the usage of VAR and how VAR is used in, for the, we saw it used for an offside. And what do you think about the, the influence of VAR in this game? And Bielsa gives his answer and it's translated as basically an explanation of what VAR is. <laughs> it is a, it is a resource that uh, the referees can use in order to make better decisions. <laughs> and they, But to be fair to the interviewer, he's not having it. He does say to him, do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? But Bielsa, obviously, and if you've ever looked at anything he's, he's ever said on this, he he's basically says, 
if the referees find it useful, it is good. But it, it's absolutely clear. I think he was, uh, I wonder if he was pissed off about the defeat and that was kind of his his way of dealing with it, that he was just going to absolutely strike that question right back at him. Nuno Santos, our third choice keeper from back in the day, though he uh, he had words to say about VAR, didn't he? Saying, um, I used the phrase, fine margins, again, like Stewie Dallas mentioned that it can go both ways, but nobody likes celebrating and then coming back. But I mean, this is a debate probably for a separate day, but it got the decision right, didn't it? I mean, we said on, on the match ball last night that you had that fear that there's going to be some sort of Leeds voodoo involved, but you know, it was ultimately the right decision. I was worried it was going to be some weird like phases of play things where they'd say, oh, well, that wasn't actually part of the goal, even though it was the start of it. That was the second phase where four isn't subject to VAR review or something. But yeah, they did get that right. They didn't get the second bit right, did they? Because I, I still, again, looking back on it, I feel more stronger that Jimenez should have gone. You see, I've watched it again this morning and I'm not convinced. I think he's managed to escape that one by the skin of his teeth because he kicked out but missed Essentially, I don't think he really connected with him. If you watch it, his foot just sort of hits air, even though the intention was there. But that intention's always enough to get people sent off. It's like when people go do a challenge where they, they're going two-footed but don't actually make contact. You always get sent off for that these days, don't you? So, I don't know. There doesn't seem to be any consistency on it. And I know it's not. it was never going to be like a, a career-ending challenge because of where it was, but it, it could have been a could have spoiled some of... Some of his fun for a few weeks, certainly. I'll get him in an Eddie and Ketia situation. I just don't see how he's got away with it and why it's not being looked at. Disagree with what the Guardian have said, though, that Wolves deserved it. What do you think? You said before, Michael, a draw, fair result. I'd, I'd tend to agree with that. Well, I was trying to look around because I was not sure what to think about this game. So I was trying to read some reports of it from neutrals. And the Guardian basically said they deserved it. And then the Independent said the Bulls were fortunate to leave Ellen Road with all three points. So I don't think other more educated people could decide either. I thought we deserved a draw because of that first half and they didn't create that many chances. Melier made a couple of decent saves but it's not like we were ever under the cosh even when they were probably were the better team marginally in the second half. I still felt we we didn't particularly give them many chances and we I know we didn't create a huge amount either but overall I think like a, a one-all would have been a fair result. Wolves do this. Listening to their fans talking about the game it was striking how many of them kind of said that like this is how we do it and looking through their results last season the number of nil nil and one one draws they got was extraordinary the the kind of strange they'll throw in like the odd high scoring one but most of the time this is basically what they they try and do although they they're noted for all these attacking players that they've got like Traore and Jimenez it is all about it's Connor Cody and it was Matt Doherty before and and that's, you know, Portugal's number one goalkeeper they had there. And they used to have Ruddy when they got promoted with him was a very good goalkeeper. It's always been, although there's only three of them, they tend to have a very good defence. And, you know, everybody's in love with Conor Cody at the moment. Max Kilman is, you know, he's going to be the, the next sensation that everybody's going crazy about. And they either get a goal on the break like this, or they don't and they take the draw and... So I think that's one of the disappointing aspects of it is we kind of fell into Wolves' world a little bit and um, and couldn't find a way to, to get them back into ours. Well, what did they think to this then? Propaganda, let's have a, a dive into the stuff that they've been saying in the, in the wake of this, um, this victory for them, defeat for us. Wolves doing a bit of pre-match Zoom from Ellen Road. Yeah, they have their... Uh, I don't know if it was online during the game it can't have been but there was a big like three hour recording of their own match commentary with uh, a little bit of a, a Zoom pre-match with uh, Carly Kelmy and Chrissy Wellmo Looms you'll hear Looms being referred to here and then they introduced a, a surprise special guest which I was quite shocked to see him Looms I know you're desperate to come in just hold on one second because we do have someone with a bit of an insight into how this Leeds United team play he was also a massive part of the Wolves side that won promotion and a big part of the Leeds team that won promotion as well. Awkward for him to have a foot in both camps tonight. A big hello to Barry Douglas joining us on Matchday Live Extra. How are you, my friend? Good, but I don't know if I've got my podcast. Oh, we don't know if he's got us working yet. Um, we'll try and get that sorted out. There he is. Bless him. Baz Dog. He's had, he's had quite a week. Barry Douglas is not working. <laughs> I thought for a moment it was going to be Helder Costa for all that build-up. 
It's worth, I mean, it's actually, it's not worth finding it on YouTube. I'll just tell you, Barry Douglas looks great. A confused Barry Douglas just coming into view on a Zoom call, staring at his laptop. And then when he hears his name, I think he realises he has to smile. So he smiles when his name's mentioned and then goes back to just frowning at his laptop until until you hear his confession that, yeah, his, his AirPods aren't working. He does get them sorted eventually. And I think he, he tells them about murder ball and stuff and all the things that he can't do anymore. So what did their fans think? Well, let's have a listen to these um, fan reaction videos that were on Express and Star. Yeah, they compile a bunch. And I was quite surprised, actually, by um, these this trio of opinions because, I mean, I think we've been quite... We've not been generous to Wolves, but I never thought they were this bad in the first half. Sorry. Come on, me babbies. I tell you what, what a game of two halves. They always say a game of two halves, right? What does Nuno say at halftime? That first half, we were played off the pitch. Let's face it, we just were. And the best thing about halftime, even though we could have scored at the end of it, was that we weren't down by a goal or two. He should have a job on local radio with that voice. Yeah, I'd forgotten about his um, a woo-woo introduction. We had to battle for that. The first half, we were we were shocking. Um, we just couldn't get anything going and Leeds were all over us. And if we continued like that in the second half, they would have beaten us. Three points. Um, it's amazing. Um, first, the first half was abysmal. I really think we were rubbish, absolutely rubbish. Abysmal, absolute rubbish she does get the point she gets around though to realizing that it's not that wolves were bad it's that leads are look a sledgehammer it was like leads were first for every single ball and we just looked intimidated and scared and you know like leads reminded me of a sledgehammer it was just like they were just pounding you know constantly it was just horrible to watch sledgehammer a sledgehammer peter gabriel and it wasn't horrible to watch. It was wonderful to watch. What she's got against brilliant football. She has hit upon a certain truth there about last night, though, in that we did that championship thing that we mentioned on the match ball, actually, of not taking our chances when we had them. That first half dominance. If we turned that into a goal, it could have been a very different game. But obviously, you get to half time at nil nil, and it gives them confidence to turn it around. It kind of makes me feel a bit better about our performance as well, because they've now watched a couple of seasons of, including the championship season several seasons of Wolves being a really good side. So they won't, they won't be used to seeing teams play them off the park in that way. So it's, we can do that. It's good. Let's be, let's be pleased with it. What they are used to, so that our bloke with the, uh, the DJ voice, is um, the reason there's so much noise on his clips is because he's standing outside a, a shut pub in um, a yellow and blue baseball jacket. I think, he's a, I think he's a character. This is the Express and Star a local paper gets people to send these videos in. So I think he's he's maybe pitching for a, a career on reality TV. But he claims um, yeah, he's got this idea of typical Wolves from last night that seems to me like a very, very specific way of playing. Saints, what a finish. Six moves before that, it's offside by... Okay, fine. But wait, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about the goal, right? The goal that Wolves scored tonight was was typical Wolves. Um, it's just, it, it's a deflected shot from Jimenez, fine, but he, he miscontrolled the ball, he tries to drink, uh, drag it back, and then he hits it, deflects off a defender's head, into the net. It doesn't matter how you score them. So, typical Wolves' goal is, de- is uh, miscontrolled, then there's a drag back, there's a shot hit and it's deflected off somebody's head. This may be why they're quite a low-scoring team, despite having so many attacking players, is because Santos is, I keep calling him Santos, Santo is telling them constantly, if you don't score like that, it just doesn't count. We want a typical Wolves goal here and we'll settle for nothing less. It's like we're sometimes accused of walking it in. They're accused of trying to recreate this and it's very difficult. And if they don't have a player around with a top knot like uh, Calvin Phillips, then how are they supposed to do do this? How have they stayed in this division for so long if that's what they do? I don't know. They, um, he uh, He's very proud of what happened, though, and he reckons um, Newcastle should be worried. And I revised my earlier assessment that he's, um, he's after reality TV. There's a very Antiques Roadshow vibe to this fellow, I've realised. 
Newcastle, you're next. And I tell you what, Wolverhampton Wanderers, he did us proud tonight. Thank you. It's what it means to him. Would I have been proud of beating Wolves 1-0? Really? You'd have been fairly pleased. I'm, I'm fairly pleased with you, son. <laughs> Look out, Villa. Here come the, the mildly satisfied Leeds United. I found my own clip for this as well because I was trying to find... It was, I was actually looking for highlights of the game and instead I've come across a, a YouTube kid who I, th- I think I have heard of called Thogden. Is that how you pronounce it? Thogden? Thoden? Fuck knows. It looks like Thogden anyway. But it's basically him watching telly with his dad and filming it and 400,000 people subscribe to it. And Raul has gone down. Something's happened here. Bales, Bales is complaining, says he's time And listing. something's happened. Someone's given someone a bit of a knock. Raul Jimenez is on the floor. Bielsa is saying to his players, stay out of his way. He's holding his face. And what has happened? We don't know what's happened here. The referee's gone we over. really don't. The referee's smiling. Let's have a look. Oh, he's kicked him in the balls there. Not on purpose. Not on purpose. He kicked Koch in the balls. No, 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 no. No, this, that's overblown. Raul is overdoing that. Adam Achaiore is kicking off. Conor Cogan holds him back. Bielsa's saying, get out of the way. Leave it to the referee. That's a something and nothing. Raul is lying down, trying to waste time. There was nothing there. That was an absolutely nothing situation. Sunday league football, that's... I'm sorry, I can't... Can you see anything? Honestly, Dad, look at Koch, you get kicked to the balls. No, he's trying to get out of the way. There's absolutely... No, no, I'm saying Jimenez kicks him in the balls. Yeah, well, yes, you're right. And it's if, horrible to... Um, that pain if, is horrible. Honestly, if anything, Raul could get a red card for that, for kicking Koch right in the mummy-daddy Instead, body. he's thinking, well, let's waste some time. I tell you what, if they VAR'd that, Raul kicks his opponent right between the legs. And That's then a... goes down to make, yeah. make it look like something else yeah. and also waste time. So, I'm sorry, if the referee looks at that, he sends Jimenez off. I'm Nick not even joking. I'm Cotchman. not even joking. That was, that was reckless. He literally right went in the mummy-daddy button. He's, oh, mate, that was shocking. Do you know what? You see, I was looking at a foul That's, on Jimenez. I was saying to you the other yeah. thing, and you, you, weren't, you weren't seeing it first. No, I wasn't. You did. I wasn't. I was like, bloody hell, that is... That is such a low blow. Why would you do that? Such yeah, a, you should never do that. It's a dick move. Yeah. Hey, lads. If you can get 400,000 YouTube subscribers, why the fuck are we doing this? Honestly, if you can get 400,000 <laughs> for doing that, this is a waste of time. Let's just knock it on the head. I enjoyed it. There's so, there's so many nice bits in it where he's going, no, 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 no. Son, son, you're a fool. You're a fool. And the, the teenage lad trying to emphasize the fact that he now has descended testicles is like, oh, that hurts as well, doesn't it, when you get kicked in the balls? Yeah, I know, I know about that. I know about that. And then the way his dad realizes and, and then finally the use of, well, how, how do you two feel about the phrase mummy daddy button? He was determined to get that joke in, wasn't he? He, he did it twice to make sure that it got heard. I mean, that's a lad and his dad, isn't it? If I was around their house with the game on and they were going on like that, I would have left. <laughs> I'd have just have walked out. I don't think they would have noticed either. I'd have just have got up and gone home, not sitting there listening to fucking that all night. <laughs> How would you feel if you were sat next to your own dad and he started talking about the mummy, his mummy and daddy button? There's an absolute must read on The Athletic this week as Phil Hay has spoken to Cess Pod as part of Black History Month and Cess was a former footballer but went on to become Leeds United's community officer and did huge amounts of work to engage within the city of Leeds and move us forward as a fan base away from the very worst of the 1980s. It's a, it's a really good reminder, a really good read, um, a reminder of where we've come from. Uh, looking forward to picking Phil's brains on that one on the Phil Hay Show podcast later on this week. You can read all of Phil's coverage on Leeds United, on The Athletic, plus all the other football and sport coverage on there from around the world. And right now you can get The Athletic for a quid a month. Details at theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. It's theathletic.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I know transfers were talked about to death during the window. And it's, well, it was a bit of an after party vibe to the, the domestic window dragging on for another week after all the excitement of the international window. But we are, we are done and dusted and we'll speak about Barry Douglas in just a minute or two. We didn't add the, the midfielder from the championship. But I'm fine with that. I don't know about you. I'm fine with it. I mean, I, I don't think I'd ever have grown to love Todd Cantwell in the same way that um, I clearly fell for Rodrigo de Paul. We didn't need either of those Sibley from the child from Derby either. We'd have been buying him for the sake of it. Let's just stick with what we've got. It's fine. And I'm happy with everything else we've done. So I can't actually remember being 
ever more happy after a transfer window. Certainly not for 20 years anyway. Let's see if you still feel that way when Matches Click goes down with a, a season-ending injury and Todd Cantwell is scoring dozens of goals for Norwich City. I didn't want Cantwell either. I wanted Rodrigo de Paul, but that's mainly because I thought his dog looked nice. But we've done uh, very well. We were kind of joking about it last night on the Matchball podcast that it was kind of entertaining watching Leeds be exactly the same, but with much more expensive players. But I think it bodes well for it bodes well for the future, but it will also mean the uh, the flip side of this that we're probably not going to spend loads of money in the next transfer window. That was kind of what the the vibe from the club was that we're going to get ourselves to the level that we can stay in the Premier League. But unless something is really necessary, you're not going to be getting thirty million pound footballers every six months, and that's a shame. I'm already annoyed about the January window and why we haven't bought any uh, players this good again. Become proper Premier League football fans. Just insist that at least £200 million is spent every single window. We'll need another number 10 in January. Rodrigo, just not done it, so we'll just have to spend even more on a better one. Or Chelsea fans, as they're otherwise known, is that correct? Or Frank Lampard, actually, specifically just Frank Lampard. And I mean, Scum are absolutely prime for this, aren't they? They seem to think that since Ferguson left, they've been operating on an absolute shoestring, whereas actually they've just spent a fortune on players who they then make a lot worse. Did make this point on the Phil Hayes show, I think it was last week, that you wonder if if Leeds do find themselves in a nice healthy position come January and a player does become available for midfield, that they might push the button on something as a long-term move, maybe one for second half of the season, looking ahead to the, to the following season. You know, if we look like we're, we're likely to stay up. If we get involved in a bonfire, I can't see it though. Just get Rodrigo de Paul. I mean, he could be available. That, that does seem to be the, the tactic, isn't it? That they've got all this data on players and then they watch to see which ones become available. That's the, the Rafinha situation where Orta and Bielsa both knew everything about him but didn't think he was available. And then when he was, it meant they could just wave the money at Ron and uh, piss off most of southwest France in one fell swoop and a little bit like uh, the Tyler Roberts in January and Adam Forshaw in January if there's a player there that can be that can be got and will be good for a long time I'm sure we'll we'll find the money from somewhere we'll go and rattle some San Franciscans until they hand over the dollars but I'm happy with what we've got I think um click there was one our early chance about 6 minutes last night when click off the ball made this brilliant diagonal run into the penalty area and then that's what sets up the one that Bamford aimed at the corner flag just was a reminder that yeah click clicks totally good the only downside about click is I think he's gone the wrong side of 30 now hasn't he so we'll have to replace him uh, before he gets to Pablo Hernandez's condition um, you mentioned there that Ren is in southwest France it's not it's in it's in northwest um, Brittany I mean Michael you'll obviously know about the the famous uh, Pine Point Forest just outside Ren as a, as a lovely uh, tourist hotspot, but also a reminder of how important nature is to us. We, oui. I, uh, I said that just to further annoy our friends in France. If I mis- mislocate their city, it will just ramp up the fury. It, imagine that was my equivalent of taking a photo of some fish and chips for banter. On to Baza then, Baz Dog. We spoke about him a couple of weeks ago, so we probably don't need to do a full loving on him on him now. But the parting of ways felt nice, didn't it? It was the right way to do this on both his part and Victor Orta's, some heartfelt words in both directions. We've mentioned before that he seems like a nice sort of bloke and everything around his departure just pretty much confirmed it. I think in the past we've had quite a few slightly have parted ways type statements on the website or even when Ponta's left, there was obviously some friendships there with the players, but the, the club didn't say a great deal about it despite some having done some really good things for us. So it was nice to have him just... Having, we sort of said thank you and you're welcome back to, to pop in for a game at any time. We'll not forget you, but uh, at the same time, just go play for Blackburn because you're not going to play here. Do you remember when we booed Giuseppe Bluski off at a pre-season friendly? <laughs> yeah, but that was fun. I know, but it does feel like things have changed. It was interesting that Victor um, framed his open letter in terms of him being the first permanent member of the promotion-winning side 
to leave. And I suppose that is quite a, a significant fact and does speak to his, his status. He was part of a, it was been part of two title winning teams, both of which have then rejected him. But I said when we were discussing him previously, he has got some fortitude about him. I know his injuries while he's been at Leeds and his struggles to to show his his form in his first season. He did a, a big interview saying that had quite badly affected his mental health and the whole thing was was getting him down quite badly. But when you look at his career, his response to that has always been to move. There's not many uh, Scottish players end up playing in Poland where he won stuff and Turkey where I think he won stuff in both Poland and Turkey, didn't he? And then you come back to the championship and win two titles with two different clubs. So he's not been afraid to make big moves to go somewhere that feels like is the right place to be. And if it don't work out, he tries something else. And um, as he approaches life and football, so he also approaches fashion. And um, it's the generosity of social media means that no matter who he plays for, we will be able to see his rig outs as he roams the streets of fucking Blackburn in in, um, in his designer frocks. Interesting how he chose Blackburn because geographically it was quite close to Leeds and you wonder if maybe he's in that group of people who think, oh, do you know what? I won't mind hanging around here. There's some nice, uh, some nice countryside, nice part of the world, some decent schools with one eye on the future in that regard. Well, he seems very settled, doesn't he, with his family and I think he's, has he got another on the way, I think? So... There's no, there's no reason to leave Leeds, ever. Let that be a lesson to, to all players. They are all going to end up like that, though, aren't they? I think Ailing, Dallas, Cooper, obviously, is uh, another expatriate Scotsman who's managed to make his home in Yorkshire. But I think that, that little group of players are probably going to all end up. They'll buy a plot of land somewhere in the Golden Triangle and they'll build a gated cul-de-sac where they will all live with their families and be happy ever after and will look back on their playing career at Leeds and and always kind of Josh Baz a bit about how he had to go and play for uh, play for Blackburn against Wigan. Well no, Wigan got relegated, didn't they? I mean I hope he doesn't end up playing <laughs> playing in League One for Blackburn. But um while they were off winning the Champions League. But yeah, I can see that and then, you know, their kids will all end up getting married to each other and they're just they'll be trading dogs and recipes and it's going to be beautiful i hope they're all very happy i don't think it'll be any bit of relaxation i think they'll struggle to come to terms with life after bielsa and they'll Stuart also make them work in a farm or something doing like 18 hour days just graft as baz dog left us then berardi signed a new contract it was nice to see him be rewarded for his loyalty and essentially putting his career on the line by playing on for us at the back end of last season and paying the ultimate price I quite enjoyed him taking the opposite stance to what we just um, heard with, I think he was, was it Tom Kerwin did the interview? Certainly it was LUTV and they said, you've been here for six years now. Do you feel like a Yorkshireman? And he just went, no, I'm from Switzerland. So no, I like it. The people are great and it's nice here, but don't be silly. Having absolutely none of that nonsense. Gitano Brady is Gitano Brady and will always be Gitano Brady. And I think that's that's one of the really defining characteristics that makes him such a special player in person. God, the intensity in that video was something else, wasn't it? Christ. Whew. It's interesting how it's turned around for Brady because I think after the Derby game, a lot of people would have been quite happy to see the back of him following some, well, quite a few reckless red cars as well. But I think we've reached the point with him now where everyone, even though he's not going to play, well, almost certainly not going to play for the next six months anyway, everyone's gone, ah, well, let him stay. <laughs> He did something, didn't he? It's, it made me think both Douglas and the um, Berardi thing made me think about some stuff Andy Hughes said when he left about having achieved something for Leeds United being such a big thing. And it's it's kind of the same case with Barry Douglas and, and Berardi because while the Douglas in his own way was a bit of a failure because he didn't he didn't ever quite fill the hole that we thought on that left hand side and he never produced the free kicks and the dozen assists that we thought we were buying. Just having been there while we did something means that he pretty much gets a free pass and it's like well everything worked out in the end didn't it we spent 16 years trying to do something and then you two were here and it happened so thank you for that I think there's a little bit more to it than that and anybody who's read my Yorkshire Evening Post column this Tuesday this kind of builds off this but I know that you two don't read that so I'll tell you two about it no possibility at all and all the people who've read it can just kind of skip 
this bit. There's nothing that you could possibly say that I would be interested in, just so you know. I've already heard all of your opinions. Well, this one does go back to, I mean, the article mentions Dylan Curse, so of course you've fucking heard it. Um, but it, it built off Berardi saying in this interview about how he was ready to work in a different way for the team. But absolutely, that is why he is back here to work for the team. And I think with him and Barry Douglas, and the, the, the thing that stood out in uh, Victor Orta's letter was when he said that um, a lot of people credit Marcelo with changing the culture of Leeds United since he arrived, which is absolutely true. But you also arrived during the summer of 2018. And I know a lot of people also believe that your arrival at the club sparked a change in the dressing room too. And it's it's not just about how many games Barry Douglas played or how many games Berardi will play this season. Douglas was there all the training sessions, doing the work, telling people how to be professional footballers at Leeds United and setting the tone and setting the tempo and setting the standards in a way that Giuseppe Belushi, for example, was never capable of. And that's really important. And maybe even more important in the kind of the weird way that social dynamics work in a football club. If you're reserve left back and you can choose whichever reserve left back you want, whether it's Douglas or Berardi, is behaving that way and is kind of acting as if he is the the most responsible, ready, prepared, hardworking member of the team, then nobody on the team has any excuse for slacking off. And and I think that's where um, Berardi's kind of difference, it's a, sh- it's a shame that the, the red card in the Derby playoff match spoiled so much of, of his development and kind of got in the, the way of his progression and the way he matured because the thing that I also remember from the Derby game is when Dallas put us a goal ahead and all the players went and started celebrating in front of the Derby fans and we were all they were all going in a group towards the, the West Stand and starting to give it um, some moderately large licks and Berardi instead of celebrating the goal came running over he went around the back of them in between this scrum of players and the, the Derby fans and just shoved them all away as a group and said don't take the piss go and celebrate with our fans and it was just an interesting moment of where his head was at that he wasn't I mean he lost his head later but he wasn't losing our head about us going 2-0 up he was like no there's still a way that this team has to behave and it has to behave like this and we have to behave like that now he's struggles with his red mist which perhaps makes the the way he behaves in those moments even more impressive that he can um, overcome those natural tendencies to fuck about and fuck up and be, be such a positive influence but I don't see any of that relenting just because he's injured I remember Bielsa saying last season that sometimes he thought about going to Berardi for advice because he knows he'll get good advice and um, Douglas will be a bit of a miss in that sense and think on the strength of that that's another argument for giving Berardi a a one-year contract because the way I I put it in the article was if you're sharing a gym with him sweating his guts out to try and fix his knee so he can get into the Premier League and uh, and play in the first team you can't really find any excuse for not doing the same thing. Thanks for that I don't have to read it now. No I mean it's fucking rubbish anyway isn't it? I've already read my, my free articles this week or month or whatever it is. Yesterday's chip paper. Tomorrow's chip paper. Yeah, I know. Yesterday's is even worse. Quick word on Project Big Pitch then. It was done a lot last week and it's kind of, it's left the news cycle, but we're not quite done with it yet. We just need to tidy up the uh, the final bit of mudslinging, which is Radvazani being very vocal in the Times, uh, saying it was a disgrace for many reasons about clubs trying to do this via the back door in, in a non-transparent way and so on and so forth. Angus Kinnear had words to say in the, uh, the programme notes too. Uh, all good fun. Well, the Premier League, of course, themselves have unanimously voted against this having suggested it in the first place these were, they had a big meeting and I don't I don't quite know how they've backtracked on this at the top end where they've scumming Liverpool in particular like like they suggested something awful like should we just should we just kill him throw, put, bury him in the woods then everyone's gone you can't do that and they're going oh no 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 it was only it was only a joke only a joke wasn't it we weren't, we weren't really going to do that of course not but Ah, should move on. Should we talk about something else on this meeting? It's a bit awkward now. There was that little interlude where people were arguing about whose idea it was in the first place, whether Greg Clark had come up with these ideas and who originally did the the document. What's interesting about what happened over the weekend was, I don't know, just because we didn't have a game and people are much more interested in in Leeds than anybody else. So Radrizani being in the 
the Times was probably, well, he was the first club owner in the Premier League to come out and start saying exactly what he said, that it's it's a disgrace, was his quote. And interestingly, how quickly he's started to pay for that, because the Daily Mail ran quite a, a few, well, at least two stories over the weekend with anonymous quotes. And essentially, they said that these had come from an executive at a top six club who said Leeds have played four Premier League matches in 16 years, so being lectured by their owner is difficult to take. Given they've spent most of the last 20 years in the EFL, is it fair that they get the same say as the clubs who've made the Premier League the biggest in the world? So that's putting Radrizzani and Leeds back in our box, and that was the first one. The other one was about Rick Parry had not taken an offer of a partial buyout of the EFL by an American firm to the clubs. He just refused it without telling them that there was £300 million on offer. And this was splashed as well, that Leeds owner Andrea Radrizzani was involved in the offer and he was uh, being accused of... Uh, there were there were sparked concerns over potential conflicts of interest involving Radrizzani and the fact that he owns 11 sports as well. And his involvement in this offer was that he introduced them it even says, Radrizzani has no financial stake in the private equity firm. But the fact he made the introduction sparked concerns. So his involvement seems to have been to say, forward an email to fucking Rick Parry and say, these guys have got 300 million if you're interested. But that's now being used against him because he is the one who has spoken about the big picture being a terrible idea. The third part of this is obviously the £50 million swoops that Liverpool and Tottenham, two coincidentally top six, big six clubs, are going to make for Calvin Phillips. And I, I somehow, maybe I'm being extra Leeds United paranoid, but I don't think that's unrelated to the top six executives who are anonymously telling newspapers that they don't like being lectured by Andrea Radrizzani. I mean, I wouldn't like being lectured by Andrea Radrizzani, but as he's not lecturing me, go and bang him, Rads. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Villa, top of the league. Unbeaten, unbeatable, and bloody well unbearable. They are second though, aren't they? I keep thinking of them as top of the league, but um, I think it should. it's important to stress that they're not. They would be though if they played five games because they're never going to lose again. I know, that's why we need to take this moment while they're, they're second and really just relish it. This is, this is the truth before we descend into madness. It's quite annoying how good they've got, isn't it? Well, I mean, have they got good? I'm not sure. But it's, it's annoying how they keep winning. I suppose you'd have to say... Reluctantly, that beating Liverpool 7-2 is quite good. Fluke. Yeah, OK. But it can happen. You can catch a team on a bad day or for whatever reason. Your, your tactics happen to work. So absolutely all credit to them for that. But prior to that, you've got them beating an out-of-form Sheffield United and an absolutely terrible Fulham side in the early part of the season. So you would expect an established Premier League side as they would presumably consider themselves now to do that. I mean, the, the Leicester result, very, very good result, but... Again, did they have the full run of that game? What I'm saying is they're not unbeatable and I think we're perfectly capable of going there on Friday and giving them um, a very, very stern test. I actually fancy us to win this one on Friday. If you take the 
the Liverpool game, we scored three against them and they had the proper goalkeeper. Whereas against Aston Villa, they just took some chump that they found outside the stadium in goal. So I think that made a, a big difference. If that goalkeeper had played against us, I think we also would have won 7-2. Probably actually 7 and a half 2 because we're better than Aston Villa. So they shouldn't get too uh, too happy about things. I am a bit annoyed by the fact Jack Grealish is maybe better than I gave him credit for. I've seen him a bit recently and he's doing a bit more standing up. And when he's doing the standing up stuff, he can play football quite well, which I think we sometimes missed in the championship because he was so preoccupied with winning free kicks that he didn't actually have a chance to do anything else. Whereas when I've seen him this year, he's still goes down a lot, but he also seems interested in playing football, which is not what I like. So I don't know if we need to kick him more or less to sort of stifle him, but my instinct is we should kick him more. They're in good form. Absolute credit to them. And yeah, credit to Grealish for seemingly evolving his game from that. That diving around stuff is the thing that, that marked him down as really, really annoying because he is better than that. Let's not give them credit. I don't mind acknowledging that they're in good form and also acknowledging that perhaps Jack Grealish is good. I don't think we should give them credits for it. All right, I'll tell you what, they've bought Ollie Watkins now, so maybe that has taken some of the cheating burden away from Grealish. Is that all right? Oh, yeah, I'm happy to, I'm happy to talk factually about these things. I just don't want to sort of bake them a cake. And Ross Barkley, I'm sure, has been relieved to find he's, he's turned up there on loan and they don't have uh, Michael Brown and David Norris in the team who he was having to try and displace before he can get a game. I mean, you've got to remember as well the spectre of John Terry that hangs around this club, which is why there is Chelsea loanies there and all the the noxious characteristics that, that go along with what used to be a perfectly adequate and respectable football team with some quite nice kits. But I think really since the days of the League Cup final in 1996 and John Gregory's hair colour, it's just been a, a relentless decline to the, the sad charade that I see now at the top of the Premier League. No time for David O'Leary's Aston Villa. <laughs> um, again, referring to something I wrote, but I was looking at them. Uh, Always writing, isn't he? Always writing. I won't be stopped. Maybe I should be. The Wolves game we played 2004, we lost 2-0 to Aston Villa just before that. And there's some great quotes from David O'Leary after that match saying, I don't know where all their money's gone. I mean, they had Champions League checks. They had big transfers coming, fees coming in. We had European... Uh, UEFA Cup semi-finals. I don't know where all the money's gone. Fuck you, O'Leary. Jesus. <laughs> How do you think this one's going to pan out then? Is it dependent on whether Cooper plays? Does Pablo come back in? And if so, who do we put him in for? Because Rodrigo seems to be doing good bits at the minute. I think he won't change the team, is my instinct. Uh, it may be, I, I guess if Cooper's fit, I guess he'll be back in, but I would have my doubts if whether or not he's he's been injured and then... Clearly, he was too injured to play yesterday. I, I don't know. It feels like putting him in on Friday with said with zero medical expertise. It feels like he probably can't be fit if he's already been injured twice in the last week. Yeah, I, I share your concerns about uh, Cooper's fitness. And as I said earlier, I've got absolute confidence in Stroik as long as he doesn't do a Grealish and just go flying all over the floor like he uh, like he did on Monday night. Who scored? Dot com do kind of make them sound even more unbeatable than just their results. Three very strong things, and they're also quite good things. Attacking set pieces, creating long shot opportunities, great scoring chances. But note, none of those are finishing. They're just good at sort of attacking things and creating them. They're only strong at finishing scoring chances, so I think we'll be okay there. They're weak at avoiding offside. So if we get, um, if Cooper isn't fit, if Chris White and Chris Fairclough can take over at the back, then we'll have a, a good chance of catching them offside a lot. They've also got um, one of my favourite mentions, elements of their style of play. Opponents play aggressively against them, which I think Click versus Grealish will bear the, the truth of that. They attack through the middle and down the left. So it will be a, a quiet night for Stuart Dallas. And of course, we should remember that um, nobody will know what happens in this game until afterwards because it's on. Um, it's not on television. Will you be buying it on pay per view? I'll be watching it. <laughs> does that answer your question? It does. Yes. Will I be watching it with you? Yes. Excellent. I'm glad. Will I? Because you didn't tell me you were going to be. <laughs> <laughs> we assumed you'd be writing something. What's wrong with the Premier League? Plenty's bloody wrong with the Premier League, as we've seen from Project Big Picture. 
if you want to put three blokes in charge of fixing it, forget Rick Parry, John Henry and the Glazers. It's us. We're going to sort this out for you. We've already made it miles better by just being in it, but let's get it sorted once and for all. What's wrong with the Premier League this week? Well, it's on the back of the project big picture stuff and big clubs basically claiming they need more money. It's only so they can do this with it and it's leaving Mesut Ozil out of the 25-man squad while paying him 350 grand a week. Like, Look at what the big clubs do with money. They just waste it. There's no need for it. Just give them less money and then they'll waste less. It's a very simple equation. It just, but the money, and not that I begrudge football has been paid a lot because it's, it's like one of the few professions where people can earn a load of money on a vaguely meritocratic basis. But like Mesut Ozil didn't need 350 grand a week. Arsenal didn't need to pay him it. They paid him an £8 million bonus or something in September. I couldn't even work out what it was for. I think it was just for being there a while. Make everyone poorer. Well, they made Gunasaurus poorer, didn't they? And actually, Mesut Ozil was the guy who stepped in to, to save Gunasaurus's job. So it's um, not all bad. I mean, that was nice of him. But I feel like this isn't good for Mesut Ozil either because he, he's not so old. He could be finding another club now, but because he's paid so much, he doesn't feel he can. And I think it would be better if he was just kicked out of Arsenal and played for us. I think he'd do all right for us. Well, I mean, we've already got Pablo Hernandez for the, uh, the crazy-eyed staring business. And he's probably a better playmaker as well, Pablo. You are right, though. The big thing that gets unsaid when everyone talks about money sloshing around in the game is how quickly it sloshes out again because they just keep giving it all to players. And so much of the game's problems could be solved by just not giving all the money to players and their agents. And, you know, it's the agents who who sort this out. And there is a point where it just becomes pointless. I mean, Meza Ozil can't possibly need, if he didn't get £350,000 next week, he'd probably be all right. He'd get through it. He'd get to Sunday, probably on the interest from the eight million quid he got stuck in his bank account in September. And there must come a time when you're you're looking at this money that you have and think, don't actually, I think I'll give it to a dinosaur. <laughs> and he has given it to a dinosaur. Maybe, maybe uh, he he has. Has, you know, we are setting about trying to fix this, Moscow. And you've, maybe you've hit upon a good point here that if you do get left out of the 25-man squad and you don't get transferred out, Maybe it should become, this is how we fix the Premier League. They put a rule in place where you have to become one of the mascots at that particular club. doesn't matter how much you get. It'd be a great leveller, puts the money to at least some use. So like, you know, we've got Gunasaurus has had his job saved at Arsenal. Maybe Mesut Ozil, now he's saved his job, could become his sidekick in that way. You know, like Scrappy-Doo did for Scooby-Doo. Scrappy-Doo made Scooby-Doo worse though, didn't he? I feel like he didn't add enough. He just was a bit irritating. Was he Scooby-Doo's son? Nephew. Uncle Scoop, wasn't he, called him? Ah, of course. Right, yeah. So that would mean Mesut Ozil would have to be born of Gunasaurus's brother or sister. So first we've got to find a sibling dinosaur and a mate for it. How do dinosaurs have sex? Ask Neil Warnock. We've got love for Levi solicitors for supporting us again on the Square Ball podcast this season because um, there are times in your life when you need a bit of legal assistance. So when that time does come, please give Levi's a call. They're a Leeds company and they're Leeds fans like us, completely transparent with their fees. So you always know what you're paying. So, you know, moving house, for example, requires conveyancing. Uh, Levi's do that. So many of us haven't got a will and they're very important. So get yours sorted ASAP with Levi's. And as a listener to this show, you get a 10% discount on your legal fees. Get in touch via levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Final bit of the show. Now then, heroes and villains, the good and the bad across the last seven days. We divide this up into two bits. First bit is the Ken Bates Villainy Awards. And the first nomination always goes to Ken Bates for a reason or sometimes a made up reason. But those are the rules. We have to play by them. Go on then. What is it this week? I was very disappointed, actually. I was checking Oil City News with the, um, the Casper Wyoming news site and the council there were looking at some laws around prostitution. Sadly, Councillor Ken Bates didn't have anything to say about it, which was a, a bit of a shame. So I had to go to Leeds United Ken Bates, look back to September 2011 when there were some protests just kind of starting against him and he wasn't happy, obviously, because he said, you're not taking it. Short-sighted morons. His actions could make the club. It's of course a real misery of a man's song. I used to get out of my patch and I thought it out myself. Has um, uh, Wyoming Ken not got a stake in the upcoming election? Because that's coming around soon, or is he keeping quiet as a 
as a means of staying out of trouble. I've not seen it. Well, we kicked off his Facebook page, aren't we? He's he's a freedom lover, so I think he probably is a Republican by by his nature. But he's, he doesn't seem to be affiliated to anyone in Wyoming, so I don't know. I don't know exactly how all the elections work, whether he's up, like his seat is up or anything like that. Maybe a an expert in U.S. election uh, minutiae, a Russian perhaps, can tell us what the details are in Casper. Well, we could bring Shane Lowry in on this because he's been over there, hasn't he, Shane Lowry? And he's a massive uh, Trump supporter, according to his, uh, his to his social postings. He's been giving out advice on on who people should vote for. He has, yeah. He's, um, I mean, he's, he's supporting Trump and currently earning his money in Saudi Arabia. So his his choice of of leaders are dubious. We'll just say, and that's the. I mean, the time he spent at Millwall has clearly influenced him. Does he recommend voting for somebody who can mark the fucking back post? <laughs> Right, on to others then. Gabby Agbon Lahore, we've mentioned on the match ball, talking about Leeds being a myth. Maybe all the pundits will get out of Bielsa's. And instead of the word art, he's put A dot 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 E. Could be ache. Could be. Could be. Could be that. No uh, no surprises for finding out. He was on Talk Sport this morning, and this is very much their modus operandi, isn't it? Whack the hornet's nest with a broom and then stand back. It's so fucking tedious. He doesn't even really do it with any craft, doesn't Agbon Lahore either. He's very... It's a very much a paint-by-numbers, wind-people-up thing. I'm not sure why he's on the radio or Twitter. I know you can't stop people being on Twitter, but if I could, I would. Well, it's that cycle. He goes on the radio and they say, you tweeted something, and then he goes on Twitter where people are saying, we heard you say something on the radio, and he just makes some money off it, and it keeps him, I suppose. It's the uh, the downside of not paying footballers enough. Maybe um, Arsenal could sign him and give him the Ozil treatment, leave him out of the squad, just training the reserves, put it in his contracts. He's got like a kind of a, a non-disclosure clause about anything. He cannot speak. And give Gabriel Blongelhor Mesut Ozil wages. I'm starting the <laughs> campaign now. I mean, he was on 50 grand a week in the championship, was that Blongelhor? So he should have put some to one side, you would think. Worth every penny. Was he in the same team as Ross McCormack? Possibly did cross over, actually, yeah. Probably got some strong um, financial advice from uh, always careful with the money, the Scottish, aren't they? And sometimes you meet an exception that proves the rule. We've got the clip of him on TalkSport, but I say we elect not to play it. Don't want it. Yeah, it's fine. It's just an idiot dribbling. Gareth Southgate has got to have a nomination because he's ruined Calvin. Speaking of idiots dribbling. Uh, yeah, he was he was fine before you sent him away. He's come back and I thought he wasn't his best yesterday. So... There's only one person who can blame. Well, I suppose we can blame Southgate and Grealish. Do you reckon Southgate was at Ellen Road trying to learn about tactics? Didn't know what was going on. Why? Why are there no not more right backs on the pitch? Mind you, I suppose we had we had Dallas and Ailing who were arguably both right backs, so that would have pleased him somewhat. He was just thinking constantly: slow it down, lads. Slow it down. Get the tempo down. Slower. Play slower. Who else do you want to give a nomination to? Michael Appleton, who is the Lincoln manager. For those that don't know. This is on behalf of Robbie Gotts. Robbie, unused substitute Gotts. No matter where he goes, he just cannot get off that bloody bench, can he? Are they in League One, Lincoln? I think they are. Um, anyway, Robbie Gotts, bench, didn't come on. I want to nominate David Coote, the referee from the Wolves game. He was also the VAR ref for the Merseyside derby. So, I mean, I'm not asked about what happens to Liverpool, but um, if you're not good at your job... I thought it went it well. Needs to, it needs to be flagged, yes. He did all right, didn't he? I, I don't know, something about his face... I don't know, it's annoyed me. It's just his face. I quite like his face. He looks sort of hapless in a way that I think a referee should. Well, you go off and start your Coot fan club and give me another nomination. Uh, well, Jimenez for kicking Cog's cock, or trying to at least. That wasn't nice, was it? And that's related to uh, David Coot's haplessness that he didn't get sent off for that. I would also, it was Michael's bet noir last night, but looking at it this morning, um, ended up on Wolves' website. They did a kind of a five things we learned from the game last night feature. I thought I'd have a, a look to see if there was anything interesting. There wasn't. But so their their Portugal kit that they're wearing, they they were hyping that up as its first run out. And as I was saying to Michael last night, I can't remember if that was on the, the broadcast or not, that it's deliberate. They don't accidentally it's not like they suddenly woke up one morning, oh shit, we're dressed as Portugal. They are dressed as Portugal. They are they are properly dressing as Portugal. And there was a, a reference in this to um, 
it making all their Portuguese players feel much more at home. And it reminded me, Leeds did this, Leeds City, in, I think it was 1910, certainly, well, I mean, it was in the, the very short years that Leeds City were available. We kept signing loads of Irish players. It was Frank Scott Wolford was the, the manager who he just used to go over to Ireland, watch some matches and come back with a, a bunch for cheap. And we started a season to make them all feel at home. We wore all green kits and even changed the corner flags. And this is the days when you, you had flags on the halfway line to green as well and had a big special everything's green celebration. And I don't know if any of the Irish players in question, they probably weren't paid enough in 1910 to be able to protest to their manager and say, you know, not everything in Ireland is actually green. It's some not the jolly green giant probably hadn't been invented then. It's not us. It's not us. There's, there's other colours as well. I thought everything was in black and white back in 1910. The green was just a rumour. Yeah, that Wolves kit though, you're right. The one thing that really irked me was um, the green sponsors on the on a red shirt, which again, we flagged it up on the match ball, but won't somebody think about the colourblind people? Portuguese aren't colourblind ever. It's a fact. How will the good people, the, the good colourblind people of Wolverhampton know where to, I presume it's a betting sponsor, where to bet? Any more nominations then? Uh, just Dogden's dad for talking about daddy's button and mummy's buttonhole in front of his son. Dogden, do you know where you came from? <laughs> Stop it, daddy. I say it's a button. It's it's more like a press stud. And daddy's this side and mummy's this side. And, and when they went to go together, you know, I'll show you the pictures. One, one moment, Thogden. Let me have a let me, let me just have a rummage through my Polaroids. Jimenez, Daddy, Jimenez. There's a podcast, isn't it? Or a, a YouTube video. Thogden's dad explains the facts of life. Who's your villain of the week? Southgate. Yeah. If he fucks off, Calvin Phillips doesn't score that own goal. There's no way to prove it, but I think you're probably right. The Andy Hughes Hero Award then, for somebody who's done far better for us this week. Candidates, please. Uh, Stuart Dallas mentioned at the start, but... Turns out he doesn't need all the, the show muscles. He's the world's strongest man in a very slight frame. Just Did you see the way he just eased Triari off the ball? What a, what a waste of time going to the gym. No need for it. We've well, got to remember Stuart Dallas before he signed for Brentford. He was a builder's labourer, wasn't he? So he's uh, he's got that Vinnie Jones hod carrier in his locker. Functional strength, I believe they call it. Not, not the show muscles. He just looked at Triari and he just saw another carton of bricks. Another, well, now ex-Leeds player, but still technically ours, Barry Douglas. That was all very amicable. We celebrated it earlier on in the show. Very nice. Mummy and Daddy still love each other, but we've grown apart and it's time we lived in separate houses. But we love you all the same. Fucking, it's hitting Thogden from all angles, isn't it? <laughs> but, but I thought... <laughs> well, always have, I'll leave you the photos. And a nod, please, for uh, Berardi for his actions that we flagged up earlier on, side before self, and Jenny Alioski. Yes, he had a good international break. He's a hero. In, uh, in any North Macedonian's eyes. They were a goal down to Georgia. They were down to 10 men. It's stoppage time and they get a penalty. Who is going to take that penalty? I don't know if um, Panjic was off the pitch because he's their star player, but somehow they ended up giving it to fucking Johnny Alioski and he absolutely rocketed it into the back of the net. Got a 1-1 draw. The 10 men pulled it off. Alioski, the hero, I mean, it was a bit of a shit fest, that whole international break. Steve Clark should have had a, a villain nomination for breaking poor old Liam's groin. But I'm glad something, there was one good story that came out of it. A word if we can for, well, it's quite tangential really, but Paul Rideout, not somebody you'd necessarily associate as being a Legion United hero, but he's been doing God's work this week. I just always like it if anyone slags off Warnock, to be honest. Uh, this is this is Bear in mind, this is Paul Rideout playing for uh, Warnock in the mid-90s, I guess. So, you know, maybe Warnock's methods have changed massively and he's, he's got really into sports science and um, tiki-taka and stuff. But he says back then that his coaching and training were outdated. It was ugly. I went from Southampton, where they played football, to a team where you were just trying to beat everyone up. It wasn't football to me, and I'm not soft. And a final nod for the Leeds Fans Food Bank um, in relation to the dreadful pay-per-view antics on Friday. We saw that Newcastle's fans raised something about, like, 17, maybe even 20 grand for their food bank in lieu of paying 15 quid for that game. So if you are opting not to buy the game, why not chuck some money towards the Leeds fans food bank? If you go to justgiving.com 
and search for Leeds Fans Food Bank. You will find it on there. It's the right place uh, to help out our community around Ellen Road rather than putting more money in the pockets. Of, well, where is it going, this money? Is it going to the Premier League? Is it going to Sky? Is it going to BT? They said the clubs, but it'd be nice to see at least a breakdown, wouldn't it? That's another thing that they're all denying now. The uh, BT and Sky said the price was set by the wholesale cost of um, that the club wanted to charge, and then the clubs have said, no, no, we... We only gave you a, a guideline price. We didn't mean you to set it at that. And they're all just fucking. I mean, even if you are going to pay for it because you you want to watch the game, give a little bit to the food bank as well off the the back of this to kind of level out the world a little bit because um, it's a it's a handy hook to to hang on this P, PPV thing just to remind everybody that um, there's still a lot of people need the help from from that. Whether Sky and BT and the Premier League are being grasping bastards or not. The money will only go towards um, making Mesa Ozil's sister have sex with the dinosaur, I think is what we established earlier. So give it to a food bank instead. Lovely. Who's your um, your Andy Hughes hero of the week? I mean, Mesa Ozil's sister's probably in line for a, some kind of commendation. Strange Jurassic Park reboot. Uh, let's give it to the food, fans' food bank, the supporters' trust. Yeah, for what's about to happen this Friday, which is hopefully to beat Newcastle. Yeah, that'd be nice. We'll be back with more this week. Check out the Q&A over on the Extra Ball, brand new spin-off podcast there. And the Match Ball will be back on Friday straight after the Villa victory. That's a victory for us against Villa. I should stress very much the case it's going to be a victory for us. And that will be on general release on Saturday morning. TSB Plus is where you can get full digital access to the magazine and early access to the Match Ball. Find all that at thesquareball.net forward slash plus. We'll see you next time. The Square Ball Podcast. 